hey cousins you are listening to revolutionary hood rat with kim young of dope black social worker and welcome back we got us another episode and i can already feel it in my spirit that like this ain't gonna be all too long because you know i'm recording this episode before i head into the office for work because yes i work a job job a whole job and so i was like oh let me go ahead and record this episode in the morning so then when I get off work and get home in the evening, I can edit it and then get it scheduled to go live the next day. So with all that being said, I ain't got too much time to be tricking off with y'all behind this microphone. So let's just go ahead and jump straight into the revolutionary news for the week. And so shout out to the Land Kelly Chase Foundation in the UK. I had read an article in The Guardian, but I also saw it floating around on social media that this particular philanthropic foundation, the Land Kelly Chase Foundation in the UK, has decided to abolish itself. Yes, abolish itself by giving away its $130 million pound endowment throughout a series of grants over the next five years to individuals and organizations and community. They essentially decided that um, their particular foundation was a function of colonial capitalism and that they had become a part of the problem and decided like, well, shit, I guess we need to go ahead and abolish ourselves because we're not making things better. We're actually making things worse as a philanthropic foundation. And I agree (laughs) wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, like there's so much concentrated wealth inside of philanthropy and hoarded within these foundations that are essentially guiding what people believe is like social justice work, racial justice movements, equity-based programs and services when it's actually not. Um, And so I think it is really dope that this foundation in the UK has decided to abolish itself by redistributing its wealth back into community, into the hands of people who are most most proximate um, to the problems and the solutions that are plaguing society. And so shout out to them for abolishing themselves. I cannot wait to see other foundations hopefully do the same because y'all, they got money. If y'all don't know about foundations and philanthropy and nonprofit industrial complex, get into it. Get into it. It'll blow your goddamn mind. And so shout out to the Land Kelly Chase Foundation in the UK for abolishing itself. All right, moving on to Earth is Ghetto for the week. Y'all look, before we even get into Earth is Ghetto, I don't even know if y'all know why I call this segment of the show Earth is Ghetto. And it's mainly because of this Negro spiritual that has the exact same title called Earth is Ghetto by Aaliyah um, Sheffield, I believe is her last name. And if y'all haven't heard it before, hold on, let me play a little bit of it, but I'm not going to play too much because I don't want no copyright issues. But hold on, let me try to play a little bit for you. Earth is ghetto, I wanna leave, can you beat me up? I'm out on the street by the corner store, you know the 115, got a bright shirt on, so amazing. Hey, listen, listen, That that's my song. It like energizes my spirit. It makes me come alive. Like I said, it's my own personal Negro spiritual. And that's why I actually have named the segment of the show Earth is Ghetto because like ghetto shit be happening here every goddamn day. And sometimes it really feels like, like beam me up and get me out of here. 
like beam me up and get me the hell up out of here. But since I can't be beamed up, I might as well settle into the fact that ghetto things happen and talk about them because I'm also highly entertained by ghetto activities. And ghetto has no color, class, or creed. Ghetto comes in all shapes, colors, sizes, and bank accounts. Um, so for the <laughs> for the uh, Earth is Ghetto for the week, um, I guess the first place we can start is y'all. Did you know that slavery benefited Black people? Apparently, I missed that memo. I did not receive that lesson in school, in any of my school. And so, you know, Ron DeSantis down in Florida has decided that the, pe- the the great children and people of the state of Florida will learn inside of a new curriculum that there was personal benefits of being a slave. That slavery benefited Black people because it taught Black people skill sets they would not have gained if they were not enslaved. And so, yeah. I just found out, like countless others, that apparently slavery benefited Black people. And understand how sarcastic and facetious I am being because this man is fucked out of his mind. He done lost his goddamn mind. Everybody else who believes this bullshit and supports this bullshit and co-signed it and was waiting for somebody to say it. If you was waiting for somebody like Ron DeSantis to say that slavery benefited Black people, to be like, oh yeah, it certainly did. I've been saying that for years. Go to hell. Because what? absolutely the hell not absolutely not like rarely do i agree with Charlemagne the guy from the breakfast club but he really says that you know everybody in the state of florida is something special a whole lot of wildness occurs in florida and all of the bronx that's what he says like the entire state of florida and the bronx is where some of the wildest behaviors and antics have ever occurred and i actually I think I might agree with that. Have y'all ever heard or tried this? I've done it before. If you go on Google and you search your birthday, not the year, just the, the month and day you were born, put Florida and then put arrest and then read everything that happened on your birthday, all the type of arrests that occurred on your birthday in Florida. It's some wild shit. So go to Google and search your birth month and day. Put this Florida and then put a rest and have a great time. It is very, 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 very fascinating. All right. So moving us along to some more ghetto news for the week. Y'all, I was on Instagram minding my business and this ad kept popping up and the ad was for plasma donation. But in this particular ad, it had like a, a couple at their wedding day, like on their wedding day. And then it was like $850 for donating your plasma. And I'm like, yo, is that what the world is coming to? Like people got to donate plasma to pay for weddings. But then also, am I being geotagged? Because why do I keep seeing this ad about donating plasma? And at the same time, I got all these plasma and dialysis centers in my neighborhood. There's really, there is a plasma center right next door to my gym. And I swear before Black Jesus themselves, when I pull up to the gym in the morning, there's a line, like a line line, not a couple people, not five to 10 people. I'm talking about a line of people waiting outside the plasma center, I guess, to donate plasma. I'm not even entirely sure what they be doing, but I just know it got a line like the club. And so now Instagram is trying to get me to donate plasma for up to $850 to pay for a wedding. This shit is wild. Very, very ghetto. Very, very ghetto. What else is going on? 
Yo, did y'all see that video? That girl um, who took the time to put a camera in her face and cry over her locks. And so if folks don't know, like I started my lock journey in May. So I am transitioning into locks. I'm doing micro locks. And it has been quite a process. It's been a good one. It's been one that has allowed me to really love the size of my head <laughs> and the texture of my hair. Granted, I have my days where I'm like, oh, oh, I look a mess. But I would never set up a camera and get to crying about my hair being short. And this process is not what I thought it would be because I'm also not wedded to Eurocentric beauty standards. Yeah, I got my days where I'd be looking like a little boy in the mirror, but shit, I'm still cute, so I'm not tripping. And I also don't think whiteness is the standard of beauty, but that poor baby took the time to turn that camera on and get to crying about her locks and the journey, not her hair, not looking how she thought it would look. And she thought her hair would be longer, all type of stuff. I hope she finds some peace and keep going along her journey. You're going to have some good days and some bad days, but baby, we still cute. We are the standard. Yeah. Y'all, so I have 28 days until Beyonce. If anyone else is keeping a countdown, because y'all know I am keeping a countdown. I got 28 days until the Renaissance tour, and I cannot wait. But in the meantime, I've been attending some other shows. So over the last, what, two weeks, I went to go see Erica Badu and Most Depp in Norfolk, Virginia. And I'm gonna tell y'all right now, if you have never seen Most Def live, so Yasin Bey, Dante Smith, Black Dante, Most Def, however you have come to know him or enjoy his music, he's a phenomenal performer. He's also somebody who is full of so much joy. When I tell y'all, he spent the majority of his segment during the tour literally spinning like spinning his ass in a circle around and around and around and around, dancing to house music, throwing rose petals in the air, singing songs, hyping the crowd up, of course, performing some of his hits. But most importantly, he was just seemed so free and so happy, just spinning in a circle. It was actually a joy to, to watch. Like he really lifted my spirits just to see that grown ass black man just spinning and smiling, and throwing rose petals in the air. That shit was absolutely beautiful. And when it came to Erica Badu, who was the headliner for the tour, because it was the Unfollow Me tour, sis was about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes late, I believe. Um, and during the time we were waiting for her to come out, like her background singers were up there, the band was up there, the visuals were popping. But I'm going to tell you right now, there was a moment when I was like, is she trying to hypnotize us? I think she's trying to put us in some sort of trance because like they were playing lo-fi beats and the background singers kept reciting like the same lyric and note in this very ominous tone. And the visuals were like this moving mandala, like going in and out, in and out. And I was like, yo, I think she's trying to teleport us somewhere. I don't really know what's going on. Should I be afraid? Should I settle in and receive wherever she's trying to transport us to? I wasn't sure. But after like 35, 40 minutes, she finally emerges onto this platform. And I'm going to tell you right now, she kind of showed up looking like a witch. And she might be. I don't know. Like, if you like it, I love it, baby. Like, if that's what you do, do you. But she like arrived, like just appeared on this platform. And it was just her silhouette for the longest. And like a lightning show that was going off in the screens in the back. 
I was like, oh, this is different. Different. But I'm going to share it with you. Like, she could sing her ass off. She sounds phenomenal live. Absolutely phenomenal. The band was phenomenal. The background singers were phenomenal. And the audience was a vibe. I will also say it really felt like people was at a, re like a revival. Like, they was at a jubilee at church or something. Because um, they was standing. They was having spiritual awakenings. And I was, I was kind of looking around like, this is different. This music is good, but... I don't know if I'm feeling it the way like these people feeling it because they is having out-of-body experiences. But shout out to Most Dev. Shout out to Erica Badu. Shout out to the beautiful Black people who are in the building. And the white folks. Man, it was this white boy. Baby, let me tell you. I don't know if he was high or happy or both, but he was having the time of his life the entire concert. He was hitting a two-step sway back and forth, both hands in the air, vibing. But his pace never changed like he kept the same beat to every song it was actually fascinating to watch but he was having a great time so like shout out to him too i also want to go see project pet um this past weekend in dc and that was a ghetto time that was a black ass ghetto time i really needed that I, my whole spirit really needed to have that time but i'm gonna tell you right now um beloved patrick you know he just needs some artist development he had about 50-some people on that stage with him. He also showed up late. It got to the point where the crowd booed because they was getting ready to introduce somebody else that nobody paid to come see. Um, folks paid to come see Patrick, and he was already late. Like, bro, you need to come on this stage and do a song or something. So, like, he came out, performed two songs, and he left again. And the same people that we booed, well, I didn't boo, but the same people that like the crowd booed behind came out and once again the crowd was like we didn't come to see these people where is project pat so he finally came back out he performed a couple songs but he didn't really have no set list he also didn't have no visuals or no like crowd engagement for the most part he did have two little booty strippers and you could tell like that was a last minute situation it really felt like his management team probably went on instagram created an ig story was like hey we need two dancers for tonight if you can come out if you can come through respond to this post and those two uh little booty strippers um responded and they got a job i'm gonna tell you they they worked the hell out of them hips they did a phenomenal job um and i guess they served as his visuals but it would have been nice if you know it just would have been nice if if patrick would have had <laughs> some sort of like stage presence a set list something um but the big booty i mean not the big booty the little booty strippers they was a they were a nice touch but it was the fact that we didn't even know the show was over until he turned around and just walked off the stage y'all he didn't say thank you dc have a great night thank you for coming he didn't say kiss my ass he said nothing he literally turned around and walked off the stage and then there was a line of people waiting to get off the stage because it was that many goddamn people on stage with project pet now would I pay to see him again? No. But if I was at a club and he showed up to a club, baby, I'm, you know, let's go. We with it. I'm with it all day long. But he is not, concert venues are just not for, for, for Patrick quite yet. But the little booty strippers, if they wanted to come and throw a show, I'll go to that. I'll definitely go to that, but I probably wouldn't pay to see Project Pat again. Let me see. What else do we have for the week? Oh, I probably have talked about this before, but like 
I'm very honest in saying, even though people don't believe this about me, I am not that disciplined in my personal life. I'm incredibly disciplined in my professional life. And when it comes to my own personal life, like shit is, it's a wreck. It's an absolute wreck. <laughs> like many people in um, the healing, helping professions. So, but one of the things that I'm working on in terms of being more disciplined is having this practice of walking my neighborhood. And so I make an intentional effort to walk about two miles in the evening, just around my neighborhood, even when I don't want to do it. Like I literally know when I do not want to go take the walk is when I need to walk the most. And so it was like, what, last week, I did not want to walk. I was tired. My head hurt. It was all kind of reasons that I could have gave in and not done it. But then I was like, girl, go take this walk. And so I ended up taking the walk around my neighborhood. And I had two of the most beautiful, actually, well, two encounters, one black, you know, observation or experience that really made my heart flutter. So as I was walking, there was this beautiful older black man who was just sitting outside listening to music. And y'all, he was listening to the Backstreet Boys. Not the Backstreet Boys, but the Backstreet Boys. I'm talking about... He was listening to everybody. And you know, that is my shit. And so I was like, yo, I love that song. What you know about that? And even did the little hand movement from the video. Because remember, it was like a Halloween theme video. That was my shit. And so that was a really nice Black neighborly exchange moment. And then um, it was, an, I continued to walk and I came across this young, this young kid, this young girl. She came up to me randomly. It was like, excuse me. I was like, Hey, sweetie, what's going on? She said, do you think $1 for 40 stickers is enough? And I was like, $1, you get 40 stickers for $1? She had to be maybe like, I don't know, nine or 10. She said, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I have 40 stickers and they cost a dollar each. Is that a good price? I said, yes, that is a fantastic price. And I know you're going to sell out. And she was like, thank you. And then I just kept walking about my business. And then on the way home, I looked down and I saw a pack of like black rubber bands that were just on the ground. And anybody that knows about the black rubber bands, especially if you, you know, or a black girl that got your hair done, you know, we got those rubber bands to get our little twists, put barrettes, you know, get our hair braided, all kind of shit. And I looked down and just saw this pack of black rubber bands. And I was like, yo, this neighborhood will forever be black. <laughs> no matter how much things change, people move into it, move out of it. Buildings are built at this. Oh my God, y'all. There's just building after building after building. We get new sidewalks, new streetlights, new white babies. Like no matter how much of that comes into this neighborhood, this will forever be a black neighborhood. And I'm grateful that I have had the opportunity to call this home for like the last 12 years now. Um, and I love my forever black neighborhood. Absolutely love it. And oh, hoochie daddies. This is probably the last thing. I'm not going into details about hoochie daddies. I just want to encourage you to not watch it, but watch it because it is horrible. I talked about it on Instagram and even on Twitter, but Hoochie Daddies is this reality competition show that is on Tubi's. It's a mess, but it is so goddamn good. The sound quality is poor. The production is poor. The cast is a mess. It's highly entertaining, though. It's highly entertaining. And um, when I first started watching Hoochie Daddies, the 
the absolute first person that came to mind was Crystal from The Read. And so if anybody listens to The Read podcast with Crystal and Kid Fury, you would completely understand why this show, Hoochie Daddy, is irrelevant to Crystal (laughs) and why it, oh, it brought me so much joy when she responded and said that she was going to watch the show. And then she mentioned it on their podcast. And then even this last episode, she said that she's going to review it on the upcoming podcast. So y'all, like my dreams have come true. I think I have officially made it because Crystal Jean knows about Hoochie Daddies. I'm taking full credit because of me. And I hope that y'all know about Hoochie Daddies because of me too. I am not saying watch Hoochie Daddies, but I am saying watch Hoochie Daddies. You'll either like it, you'll love it, or you'll hate me. So just do it. Um, And I'm not going to talk about that clone Tyrone because I need to go watch it again. But if you have not seen that clone Tyrone on Netflix, it's with Jamie Foxx and John Boyega. Yo, watch it. So many goddamn messages. Um, But I got to go watch that one one more time. But ultimately, it just kind of feels like the storyline, you know, is using the culture and even some of the vices that um, are accessible to Black folks to harm Black people. And uh, it is a... It'll, it'll twist your mind up a little bit but see I gotta watch it again because I was distracted by John Boyega and now I've gone down like this deep dive of all, all of like John Boyega's interviews and shit on YouTube but I need to stop doing that because that man 30 years old what am I gonna do with that what am I gonna do with that this big age of mine but I think that's all I got uh, for the Earth is Ghetto segment for the week so let's go ahead and hop into Tales from the Trap All right, so let's get into the tales from the trap for the week. I believe I want to spend this segment talking about working with um, youth and adolescents. Yeah. So I've been working with youth and adolescents. That's been the population that chose me a long time ago. So I've been doing that work since about 2008. And I have learned so much about myself, so much about young people, so much about families and family systems and system inequities and failures, all from working with youth and adolescents. And um, the biggest lesson that I have learned that I want to continue to impart on those who are earlier on in their careers or who are currently students in programs is that you know we hear a lot and I should I used to say I just want to work with kids I just want to work with kids I just want to work with kids and what you will hopefully and need to understand is that you cannot just work with kids you have to be able to work with their chosen families their birth families you cannot just work with kids And I want more people to talk about this and be honest about this and push back on the narrative. Like, I just want to work with kids. No, baby, you can't. And I'm going to tell you right now, kids are not the hard part, which is why I feel a lot of people say they want to work with kids because kids are easy to work with if you understand that they are whole people. If you see them as whole people, 
who are capable of making decisions, who have thoughts and feelings and the freedom to choose, then kids are incredibly easy to work with if you respect them as people. Now, if you do not respect kids as whole people or see them as such, then we need you to stay the hell away from them because you're not going to help the situation. But ultimately, to work with young people is to also work with the adults in their lives. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, that's that is where the greatest challenge is, the adults and the young people's lives. And so I've had the privilege of, you know, learning a lot of different theories and um frameworks for interventions and engagement and dealing with challenging behaviors as as people kind of deem some young people's behaviors to be. And one of the lessons that I continue to use to this day came out of my time of working. Actually, I was interning at the time and I I had the opportunity to go through this um, collaborative problem solving training. It was a lot of days and the, the reason that I think it stuck with me so much is because the entire campus from, you know, bus drivers to the maintenance crew, to the clinical team, to the educators, to everybody uh, was responsible for understanding, implementing and utilizing this collaborative problem solving approach that came out of Think Kids, I think at the University of Massachusetts with Dr. Stuart Abalon. And what I hold this day, what I hold on to until like to this day is this understanding that kids do well if they can, not if they want to. Kids often lack the skill and not the will, right? Because we hear a lot from adults like, he just don't want to do it. She just don't want to. They just don't want mm-mm. like to this. Like I've never come across a kid that did not want to do well and really a kid that did not want to please adults. Like, I think a lot of adults don't understand that, like, kids want to please adults that they love, respect, or want that, you know, they want that adult to love them back or respect them or see them. Like, kids are in kind of this mode of pleasing, and I don't think adults really fully understand that. But anyways, yeah, kids do well if they can, not if they want to. And I think we have to be more honest with this fact that we're not setting kids up to do well. It's just true. Schools are not set up for kids to do well. Households are not set up for kids to do well. Programs and activities, and they're just not set up for kids to do well. Adults are not set up for kids to do well, right? And that's a really big and a really loaded concept of like, what does this well mean? Well can mean a lot of things for different people, but ultimately, are we setting up the environment for young people to be able to make decisions? to have autonomy, to problem solve, to communicate, to think, to regulate emotions, to practice social skills? Like, are we setting things up for them to do well? Are we creating conditions for them to do well? And if we really start to look around, we are not. Households are not set up for kids to thrive and do well. And, you know, the more that I continue to do this work, And the more I continue to think about this big love that I have for young people, I understand that a lot of my focus and attention now in my career is really on working with caregivers and parents and adults that are are 
in the adults that are in young people's lives because they're struggling. They're struggling. And yes, I am not somebody who has birthed a child or raised a child or any of that type of shit. But I'm going to tell you right now, like, I know when it's wrong. And even being able to challenge parents and caregivers around that, I've gotten a lot more confident than I used to be um, because there was the insecurity around like, well, you don't have any kids. Okay. And so I've even learned how to handle that when, um, you know, a parent will ask, well, do you have kids? And my response is always, well, how would an answer to that question change our relationship? Or what would an answer to that question do for you in this moment, right? And then depending on how they respond to that, I'll give them an answer. If if they don't, shit, I won't disclose if I have kids or not. And, and that's just the way that I approach the situation is, you know, depending on how that interaction goes. But what I really have seen is, you know, where we are now with this current generation of young people is they require some phenomenal parenting and caregiving, a lot of which parents just don't have unless they choose to seek it out. They read the books, they do the trainings, they practice the skills, they release their ego and understand like, yeah, like that shit is real difficult and you need some help. And there's nothing wrong with being able to ask for help. That's the same thing for parents, for educators, for social workers, for anybody who's an adult in a young person's life. It is tough work. And we have to recognize that kids do well if they can, not if they want to. They want to do well. Many just lack the skills to do well, not the will. So how can we teach the skills? That also starts with adults recognizing they're missing some skills too and learning them, practicing them, implementing them, and then teaching them. But we can't ask of young people what we cannot actually do or provide. Keep asking kids, well, communicate. Tell me how you feel. Shit, you can't even communicate and say how you feel. So how you expect a tiny human to do it if you if you don't model it, you ain't taught it, they ain't seen it, and you want them to do it? Y'all sound wild. 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 And it's really fascinating to me how adults just can't admit they're wrong. Like, we getting shit wrong all the time. It's also quite sad to me that adults don't recognize how funny kids are. Them jokers is hilarious. And if you sit back and if you allow them to live and experience and feel and figure shit out, they'll teach you so much. One laugh, one joke at a time. And it's also this recognition of adults in the lives of young people, whatever role that adult has, it's like being honest with yourself, if you even like that kid, right? Like, and I've gotten in the habit of asking adults in the lives of young people, like you talk about love, love, love. I'm like, do you even like them, her, him? Do you even like them? And when I ask that question, they pause. Or it's like, what do you even like about them? Can you answer that? 
these are all important questions when people are thinking about like, well, especially in the field, well, what population do I want to work with? What type of work do I want to do? It is important that no matter who you work with or what type of work you would like to do, that you like whoever them people is. That you want to see their conditions improve, that you want to be a part of improving their conditions and not making suffering even worse. Like don't make shit worse for whatever it is you think you would like to work with. Figure out if you even like them in the first place. And that is often like my advice to people who, yeah, I want I want to work with kids. Well, do you like kids? Oh yeah, I love kids. Well, do you like working with adults? No, I don't. Well, then you can't work with kids. If you don't like working with adults, you cannot work with kids. And even if you do not like working with adults, but you're focused on, well, I just want to make kids' lives better. Well, the way you make kids' lives better is to actually work with adults. And until you figure out if you want to do that, how to do that, what that looks like for you, I'm going to share with you, kids are likely not the population for you at this moment in time. Got to figure out your relationship to adults. And if you even like the idea of having to interact and engage with them, because that is where the majority of the work is when it comes to young people. Kids are the easy part. The easiest part of the puzzle. It's the big kids, those adults in their lives that make this shit tough. But I love it. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I love it. And the reason I have come to love it is because I deeply love young people and I love them so much that I like adults, that I can work with them. Because oftentimes when I'm working with young people, when I'm working with the adults and young people's lives, I see where they have been failed by adults, not the young people, but the actual adults. I can see when adults have failed them right? I can see it. And I want to help be a part of easing some of that, reducing the suffering or pain wherever I can to help make their lives better. Because in turn, if they get better, the hope is so will the conditions and lives and hearts of young people. And so I don't have a particular story because I have so many stories from working with young people. But in this moment, they're a bit cloudy. However, I will just reiterate that when it comes to working with young people, please understand, learn to understand, and hopefully learn to under accept like challenging conventional wisdom. You know, kids do well if they can, not if they want to. Kids often lack the skill and not the will. They want to do well. Are we creating the conditions? Are we setting it up for them to do well? Are you? setting up your house for kids to do well, your therapeutic spaces, programs, practices, interventions. Are we setting up our classrooms for them to do well? Our rec centers, our community programs, our after-school programs, are we setting those up for kids to do well? Because if we do, we're teaching them the skills, they have the will to do it. And I love them. I love them. That's all I got for uh, Tales from the Trap this week. Let's move into a good Black word. So the good Black word for this week, y'all, I have been struggling with balancing effort and ease lately. Like, 
think I might be leaning a little bit too heavy on the ease portion of this whole thing <laughs> and, and not really the effort. And I feel some of that has to do with, um, I, I don't have, what's the, what are the words I'm looking for? I don't have a clear desire for whatever my whatever the next phase or next step in my life is supposed to be like I really have settled into these ideas of like surrender and acceptance it doesn't mean that I still don't have drive and motivation I have those things I'm just not entirely clear on like where my drive and motivation is settled and which directions because it can be pointed in multiple directions like am I going and so then it's making it difficult to apply the effort because I'm not clear on what am I actually trying to accomplish, especially when I think about this whole dope black social worker brand. I don't I mean like this podcast has been phenomenal for me, like my wellness. Um, and it's also, well, what what are you gonna do? with this brand you've been building for the last several years? Like what effort are you putting behind it? Do you even want to put effort behind it? I am not clear. And so I've been a little bit too heavy on the ease part and I got to get back to a more disciplined pace. I'm going to have to use that word. A more discipline, disciplined pace of balancing effort and ease like I have to be able to put some sort of work <laughs> some sort of attention and focus and get clear on what I am trying to do I'm not clear on what I am trying to do not just with this brand but like also with whatever the these steps in my career are. I'm not clear on what I'm trying to do right now. I feel comfortable. Um, I don't feel content. Like I feel good. And I feel like the timing of wherever, you know, where I find my place, find myself now, it all makes sense because Lord Jesus, like I really, Lord Black Jesus, <laughs> I really needed to rest. Because I have been going, 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 going. Um, since grad school and I've been out of grad school for a decade now and so to find myself where I am in this moment of really being heavy on the ease I have so much grace um, to offer me because I needed it I need this and I'm also recognizing I won't be able to stay like this for long and so all right cool like where are you gonna apply some effort like what is what is next Kim what is next? Because people ask the question, hell, I ask the question of myself. I do not have an answer. And I'm learning to be okay with not having an answer. I also recognize that even though I certainly feel comfortable, um, I'm also a little unsteady because I want, I want some sort of change. I'm just not clear on what that change is. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know that I want it. I feel it in my bones and my spirit when I sleep, um, when I'm just up thinking. I have so many creative ideas, uh, things that I want to put effort behind. 
Um, I just got to figure out where to start. And I'm really proud of myself for admitting out loud. Like, I just, I don't have the goddamn answers. I don't have them. Um, people sometimes look at me from the outside and believe I have the goddamn answers. Baby, I don't have them. I have the truth. I have honesty. I have authenticity. I do not have the goddamn answers. And so I'm being, I'm learning to be okay with not having the damn answers and also acknowledging that I am struggling to balance effort and ease. And um, I'm okay if I don't figure it out in a timeline that I think I'm supposed to figure it out. I'm really okay with that. I'm really okay with that. Um, and as a black woman who's responsible for a lot of things, <laughs> being okay with I have been the damn answers and having trust that, hey, things are as they should be and things will be as they are. It might sound nonchalant, nonchalant, unbothered or indifferent. It's not. I just, I trust myself enough. I trust that I've deposited a lot of good into the world that the things will come back to me. So that's kind of where I find myself. I'm struggling to balance effort and ease. I'm acknowledging that I'm having this struggle and I am releasing any expectations on when I'm supposed to have any of this shit figured out because I may not have any of it figured out ever. And could I live to be okay with that? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one yet, but I'm okay with taking this journey to see. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, and that's all I got for the week, y'all. So as always, please remember to take care of your hearts so that we could take care of each other, y'all, because at the end of the day, we all we got. Don't ever let anything or anyone try to convince you otherwise. We are all that we have. Y'all be well, and we will talk next time. <laughs>